everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Non-League podcast with myself, John Phipps and Matt Gerrard. What a week it has been with a scaffold side guaranteed to be at Wembley in May after two brilliant wins in the FA Vars. But before we get into that, my co-host has been out tonight. So Matt, I hope you've not been on the beer before we record this. Um, no, we went for a curry with a um, good friend, the guy who got electrocuted. So um, shout out to that, him on that. So uh, yeah, it was a nice curry. I feel a bit full up now so it's quarter past 10 on a Wednesday so should be tucked up in my bed but uh, yeah I've had a couple of beers but um, I, I'm finding it I can't have more than one pint and I'm feeling a bit Ugh. so uh, I kept it tonight and I've watched a bit of Premier League football and realised uh, why I don't like the Premier League after watching some of that really so but apart from that yeah I'm, I'm okay I'm okay weather's been absolutely glorious hasn't it it's can't been, beat this weather it's been absolutely beautiful like uh, on Monday I went out I went up to the supermarket parked my car in the sun. And when I got back to my car, the little thermometer in my car said it was 24 degrees. Yeah. That's amazing, that, for February. I think, I think it's going to t- do a turn soon. So, uh, I see some people are moaning about global warming. Oh, it's not good for the world. But I'm sure when eventually the world does explode, um, the non-league podcast and ourselves will be long, 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 long gone away. So, uh, make the most of it. Because people were moaning when it was snowing last year. So, uh, the joys of the weather and the British people, the British public. I think if we didn't talk about the weather, we'd have nothing to talk about, though, would we? But probably, yeah, that, that is probably true. So, uh, yeah, what's the probably only thing in the morning I actually watch is the weather. But yeah, it, it, people are moaning it's too hot today, and that, and you think, what is it, 20, 27th of February? So, um, yeah, I suppose yeah, we're just a nation of moaners about everything, and and that we need some cheering up somewhere down the line. Hopefully, this weather has cheered us all up. So, probably next time we speak, it's probably three foot of snow somewhere. The snow didn't materialise, and I'm. Predicting now, my after my weather predictions, we will not get snow the rest of this winter. That is a big, bold prediction for me. Yeah, on the 27th of February, that's massively bold, mate. Yeah, um, yeah so I've, I've come out there, mate. I, you know, my reputation as a weather forecaster has taken a bit of a hit, so I've gone with a big, bold statement at that point. Good on you. Um, you talk about the Premier League uh, there, Matt. I, I was just thinking... Uh, myself earlier when I was listening to um, a little bit of uh, talking about the Manchester City-West Ham game. In the first half of that game, uh, West Ham didn't even have a single shot on goal. And my thoughts on that were, what is the point of getting involved in any of this? It, it just seems to me like these teams that are in the mid-table are just existing. Bournemouth is an example that you, you gave me just before we started recording. And, you know, I kind of agree because it, you just get in a situation whereby... You've got these teams, are, they're not good enough against the big teams. They're doing enough. They're spending big money on players. Where does it? Where does the excitement come from in this? If you, if you know you're going to lose 5-1 at Arsenal, what's the point? Well, uh, certainly certain teams, you think, what is the point? The Watfords, the Bournemouths of this world, um, you, know, they, you, know, you know they're not going to go down. They don't, apart from Watford, who've gone to the Cup, the Bournemouths don't need to care about the Cups. Uh, at least if you're a Cardiff fan, you know you're going to have a fight against the relegation zone. You may have some good days, you may have some bad days. You might get relegated and they probably don't care that much because you'll keep coming back up. So at least you're going to see your tight side winner again. You know, from a Bournemouth point of view, brilliant the first season. Yeah, we went to Man United away, we went to Liverpool away, we went to Arsenal away. After the fourth time when you got Tong 5-1, what is the actual point of it? And I'm sure there'll be Bournemouth fans of our generation who saw them struggle at the bottom of the league and maybe they won't go back to those levels of league three early two or whatever it is but you mean they must think well, what is the point of probably paying over inflated prices never seeing your team on a three o'clock on a Saturday 
playing and losing every week. So um, football has got, you know, football is eating itself and teams like Bournemouth, you know, have got themselves in the Premier League, but I don't think it's the be all and end all of football, but complete waste of time, really, if you're a Bournemouth fan, I would say. Well, that's pretty much my thoughts on the issue as well. Um, quick TV shout out for you, Matt. Are you watching Baptiste? Uh, we uh, we will watch it because we watched two previous series, um, but we'll probably get a bit of a run on the iPlayer and then watch them back to back. We watched another series last week on Netflix called The Sinner, which was very good. Um, we, great thing about Netflix, you can watch two episodes a night and we say episodes, 40 minutes, no adverts. Bash, it's done in a week. So, for that, and did we? Did you watch Alan Partridge, John? I certainly did. Yes, and uh, I was was not disappointed. I thought it was That's, it was uh, yeah, very some, entertaining. So, I, some people gave it a bit of stick, but I do um, uh, do like some of his things. And I think the best lines were, were when he said the good gags, and the woman who had clearly had disdain for him nicked those gags, and I liked. It. He got a little bit uh, wound up by it. But so, yeah, I don't know if it's going to be going to be the same thing like that every week, is it? In, like the the one show program, and he'll be doing it, or they'll be doing another bit. And I think that's that that's the plan. I I quite like the woman who just disagreed with everything he said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that yes, that was. Uh, and he had to get in a bit at the end as well. Yes, yes, yes. But yeah, very very clever. But the day to day with Alan Partridge, I don't know if it's on various things, but when he was the sports reporter, that that must be twenty twenty five years ago, probably. Yeah. If you ever seen that when he's the sports reporter. Absolutely brilliant. So, um, especially his football commentary when Blake wags it in from 30 yards and he watches the replay and Partridge says, what a goal. And they show the replay and he goes, and another one as well. So, uh, very good. He's Worth catching foot. up if you like that. He's got a foot like a traction engine. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, very good. Very good about Partridge. But is there any other comedy? What else have I been watching? Mm, only back old episodes of Only Fools and Horses. And we're getting close to the Jolly Boys out into Margate, which... Um, which will, be, which will be interesting and reminiscing about the era. They're classic. We're all catching up on those Only Fools and Horses. Like, they're, they're nearly 30 plus years ago, the Christmas ones. And check it on Wikipedia. And you used to get like 25 million people watching that programme. I think, my God, how popular are they? Very unpolitically correct these days when they come out with. But you think, at Christmas, when you had the four channels, how many people watched that programme? It's amazing to think that, isn't it? It's amazing. 25 million people said that. Never get programmes like that again. No, and before we move on from that, do you know where Nelson Mandela House actually is? Uh, uh, well, the sad thing about it, when I watch all these programmes, I have to Wikipedia. A, who's been in it, or, you know, 30 years old, what's happened to the people actually in it? And it's somewhere in Bristol, isn't it? It is right by Ashton Gate, and it is, uh, I've walked pretty much, I've driven past it loads of times, because it's very close Does to... Does it have a sign outside saying this was... I've never been that close. I've just been down the main road next to it. Yeah, uh, but you can see in one of the one of the episodes when they're at the market, they're actually out the back of Ashton Gate. Um, yeah. And my other half, Haley, was born and bred literally two or three minutes away from there. So it's a, an area that I know quite well. I think Casualty is a big hub of television in Bristol, isn't it? Yeah, there's certainly Casualty one of those ones. Eh? Yeah, so that was always. Uh, in and about there as well, and Skins, of course, was the uh, Bristol classic. Uh, having... oh, was, that, was that the one in the house about the werewolf skins? No, not at all. It was about the uh, delinquent teenagers who basically just took drugs and did other stuff all the time. And uh, I moved to Bristol, and I can assure you that life in Bristol is actually nothing like that. So uh, uh, I must have missed out that taking drugs as a del delinquent teenager. Yeah, I was more interested in the goals of David Lee Worthy. So that seems where I've got. That's where my life has gone. What a rock and 
rock and roll existence I led in the early 90s. Indeed. It's our 73rd episode this week, and as a child of the 80s myself, and I think oh. Matt is as well, there's only one thing that that makes me think of Saturday Back to morning. Number 73, TV. 3, 3, 3, 3, 3. That program. Yep. It was a Kent thing. Sandy Top Fix. Yep. Neil, Sh- uh, Neil Buchanan. Yep. Some a- lady with red hair, I remember. But it was never as popular as Going Live. Was it at the same time as Going Live? Or. Saturday Swap Shop with Mike Reed, wouldn't it? But yeah, that was filmed in Maidstone, wasn't it? It was indeed. That's that's on my list. It's a Kent thing here. It was filmed at the old TVS studios in Maidstone. Uh, 82 to 88 it ran from. Uh, 82 was a little bit before my time, but I certainly remember number 73 when I was growing up. And then it went on to become Ghost Train on on ITV and then on the BBC. Gaz, 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 Gaz Top. Was he in it? I don't know. He was in that, but he, he yeah. may well have been. He may well have rocked up in that, but then he also had going live and live and kicking on the other side. So Yeah, I think I was more of a, more of a BBC. Yeah, number 73. All I remember was the number 7333 three, three is a big thing. Yes, yeah, so there was a redhead woman. I don't know what happened to her, but Sally Toxic, that was probably a, a big thing. And now she's she's had a decent career. Now she's on Bake Off and QI. So um, Neil Buchanan... It's been taken over by my good friend, Mr. Maker, of course, because <laughs> he was the original new, original Mr. Maker, New Buchanan, but Mr. Maker, close personal friend of mine, um, is now taking his mantle. And um, the, the, the final thing I suppose we should say is uh, there's nothing like that for, for the youth of today to watch. What, what do your girls watch on a Saturday morning? Because there's nothing like live and kicking, is there? Um, Bizarrely, my eldest is watching, um, again, everything's on Netflix, Saves us, uh, uh, Mr. Bean cartoon or the Trolls cartoon from my youngest. My eldest has been watching a from Netflix, an Argentinian musical drama. Wow! There you go. So, which it's dubbed into English, and it, one thing about the dubbing of programs these days, how good is that compared to <laughs> twenty years ago when with the old monkey when it was they talk and the voice the mouse didn't move, but this program is uh, in. It's an Argent- I had to find out it was Argentinian about a school, but basically high school musical set in Argentina. It was dubbed into English, but all the songs are in Spanish, so I hear her singing along to these songs in Spanish. So it's a very annoying programme, but she keeps watching it. So there you go, that's what they watch. None of this ringing up Brother Beyond or <laughs> pop groups like that these days. Well, all I'm going to say then uh, to, to end this segment performance is hashtag bring back going live. We can only start one place then when we, now that we finally move on to some football. The Southern Counties East League is going to Wembley. Cray Valley PM booked their spot in the last four with a superb 3-1 win on Saturday at Woodland Rovers and Canterbury City joined them on Sunday as they came from behind to beat Biggleswey 2-1. And of course, the Bulls came out to ensure the two scaffold sides will meet in the last four over two legs, firstly in Eltham on March the 17th and then at Salters Lane six days later. Matt caught up with City goalkeeper Jack Delo to talk all things Vars and Canterbury City. Yes, delighted to have on the phone Jack Delo, uh, Canterbury City goalkeeper. It's been a, a good few days for, for you and the club, Jack. Uh, yes, a very good few days. Um, still buzzing, to be honest. Um, the WhatsApp group's been going mad, as you can imagine, um, just with the excitement and and just, yeah, the, the success that we've had in the Vars. And it's just been a bit of a whirlwind, really. And no one expects us to get this far. Um, we're the massive underdogs, but... We're proving our doubt is wrong at the minute, so long may it continue. Yeah, we, we mentioned on the programme that the VAR seems to start so early on and it seems never seems to get anywhere, but now it's gone down, you're in the semi-finals. You mentioned that, you know, did you didn't think you could get this far in the tournament? Because, you know, normally it's dominated by the northern sides, isn't it? 
Well, yeah, exactly that. And um, it, the two favourites actually went out in the in the quarterfinals, which was quite surprising to see. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, we've, we, I think we've not overachieved, but I do think that we probably didn't expect to get this far at all. And, and as we did start to reach the last 16, we did start to think, well, hang on a minute, we're actually doing, doing something here. And then to get through to the quarters and now reach the semi-finals is just a, a massive achievement for the whole club. Yeah, big so, one. Yeah, we'll, Biggles Wade, you know, I think they may be favourites, isn't it? They've got a good record in their league. You know, you went 1-0 down. Was there any doubts in, in, in the camp there, do you think? Um, I'll be totally honest from a personal point of view. The first 15 minutes, uh, especially when 1-0 down, with their strong support there beyond the goal, I thought I was in for a very long afternoon. Um, but, you know, I just kept saying to the boys to settle down, just, you know, don't panic. And I think once we start to do that and kind of, I don't know if the occasion got the better at the start. Once we kind of grew into the game and settled down a bit, um, we obviously got a, a goal from Chris Thorne as a, a worldy finish, and it kind of lifted everyone. And we just said at half time, you know, they, they started flying, and is that the best they've got? We haven't even really started yet. And then we come out second half, just being more positive. Got a great start, obviously with Dean Grant um, scoring that goal, and just yeah, we just stay strong and got the result. Do, do you think Biggers Way were the best side you've played this season in the, against your league and in the Cup, would you say, the first 15 minutes? Um, yes, I would say definitely in the Vars. I would say in, if they come and played in our league, I think they'd definitely be up there. They, they play great football. Uh, they're a young, fit, energetic mm-hmm. side. Um, I would say, term, I mean, Chatham um, are a strong side we played this year. We played them a few times and haven't managed to beat them yet. So they're, they're up there with one of the best sides I've played. And obviously Cray Valley as well. We went away to Cray Valley and lost 2-0. Um, they didn't create too much, but they just keep the ball for fun. They've got good players and good footballers. So, you know, they're the three sides that I'll say that are the best I've played this season. You mentioned Cray Valley. You've got them in the in the semi-final. So we're guaranteed a scaffold side in the vast final, which is absolutely fantastic. Did you want them or would you have rather have gone to one of the other sides, the Churchies, etc.? Was it a little bit disappointing? Yeah. Yes, it's, it's a tough one, you know. It's, we know a little bit about Cray, and obviously, um, uh, as you said, the other two sides um, are a bit unknown. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad we have because we haven't got too far to travel, and it's uh, we do know a little bit about them. But and a away trip would be nice, you know, a long distance one. It's a, it's a part and part of it. It's a fun day out. You get a coach up. You have a bit of, bit of a laugh on the coach, and so yeah, we're, we're going to miss that sort of thing, but. You know, overall, I mean, any team at this stage, I think all three teams are going to be very, very tough. So, yeah, we've just got to hopefully turn up on the on the two on the two ties and put a shift in. But you mentioned it earlier that, that you know, you get to the last sixteen, you can sort of think about Wembley, but now you can probably smell Wembley. And what would that mean to you? You, you know, you've had a good non-league career, the Ramsgates, the Folkestones, etc. What would it mean to you to, to to stand in that goal at Wembley Stadium? biggest achievement in football and probably my proudest moment in football um, to be so close as well you know it'd be it would be heartbreaking now to to have that taken away from not just me the whole team you know everyone worked so hard so it's yeah it seems like you say it's just in touching distance now and just got to pray that we do a job over the two legs and we get ourselves there and being a Tottenham fan as well and obviously they've been <laughs> been playing there and I've been to watch them a couple of times and it would just be a you'd have to pinch yourself moment feeling. wouldn't it it'd be a pinch yourself uh, moment it'd be, it'd be like a pinch yourself moment wouldn't it you see like, Hugo oh, Lloris in the goal and then you're in there as well yeah exactly that yeah, yeah it would be it would be a dream come true you know I think every 
every kid who plays football growing up would dream to play at Wembley at some stage in their career. So it's it to happen. And come to the end of my career now, I'm not getting any younger. And there's talk of retirement, but we'll have to, you know, we'll have to think about that. But it'd be a, a, definitely a great way to end the career. So you mentioned there, have you, have you thought about, you know, I think you're 33. You said now, so. You know, goalkeepers normally get better with age. You know, is it wear and tear on your body and and your and your family life? Is it a time you're thinking about calling it quits? Maybe at the end of the season, if it if it happens. Uh, yeah, maybe so. I mean, I think like you say, I, I started playing non-league football. You know, just 17, and it's it has, it, you know, and with my work now, I work quite far away, driving a lot, driving and getting back late, and it, it is tiring. It does take a toll. Um, you know, and like I say, I'm not getting any younger, but I've, it's tough because I've, since my time at Canterbury, I was going to retire anyway, and Ben Smith kind of um, brought me in for last season, and I ended up having quite a good season, so I said, he asked me for another season, and and again, I'm, I'm I'm enjoying it, and obviously this bar's run, so it's kind of making me think, one more year, one more year. Football's, so, football's a drug like that, isn't it? You think you want to get away, but yeah. it keeps bringing you in. Yeah, and I, and I do think... I, I am. I am only thirty-three, and it probably is, it is young for a goalkeeper to retire. And I do think if I did retire, I'd, I'd miss it within the first week of not. You know, I love my Saturdays getting up. You have the buzz of the game on the afternoon. You see the lads you have a, you have a beer afterwards. You know that is something I do enjoy. So that would be a, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Let's just uh, get this season out of the way and see what, see what the future holds. With the um, ground situation, is anything you the players think about that because of the disappointment of not having a ground? Um, yeah, just uh, I, I mean, we're all still in a bit of shock that the, the, the club hasn't got a ground at this stage. You know, it's been 20 years. Um, a big city like Canterbury, and how popular it is, and it's just crazy that it hasn't got a stadium. And I think with this Vars run now, um, just goes to show that it, it needs one. That the, the city needs a home. You know, we're, we're slowly bringing in more supporters. They're seeing what we're doing. Ben Smith, the Ben, like ben Brown, Will Graham, Ada Gold, the coach, they all work hard behind the scenes. Everyone's pulling in the right direction, but we can't just keep ground sharing. It's not, it's just not healthy, you know. We just need our own ground and set our set our stall out. And if it wasn't for Robinson Solicitors and Queen Estate to have kept us afloat, we really would be struggling. But fingers crossed that one does, you know, a ground does get sorted out, and the council whoever does sort it out for us because it's definitely what we need as a team, one hundred percent. Matt, I was listening to that on my way home this evening. I've been out working today. And all the while I was listening to it, I said a big grin on my face. So pleased for him. Yeah, I think um, I, I think for somebody who's 33, I didn't know. Um, you know, he's had a great career in the non-league game. And, you know, what he mentioned there about the time, would he give it up? And, and from a Kent point of view, you know, we're, we're probably putting it out there. We want Canterbury City to beat Cray Valley, can we say that, John? Because Cray Valley is not really in Kent. So, and I was just listening to that when I came off the phone to him. I thought I've never wanted somebody to win a match to get to Wembley because you know the excitement in his voice about thinking about it of you know being a Spurs fan, getting the same goal as Hugo Lloris, not the want to perform like Lloris like he did today. But you know the thing about that, you don't want to take away people's dreams, do you? And I think Canterbury City could create a little bit of history. I really helps him. Top, top bloke from that point of view. And yeah, what a fantastic achievement. To be honest, I thought they'd get knocked out by Biggleswade. When I saw they were 1-0 down, when I checked the score, I think it was on Sunday, I thought, oh, it's gone. But when I checked it, they'd won. I'm absolutely delighted for them. And the media and the, 
the press they've got from it, particularly from the guy when he's dancing, he's been absolutely fantastic. But Jack Dillow, top, top man. And if anybody deserves it, you know, it's not easy playing non-league football and he's close to the pinnacle now and hopefully they can go through. Yeah, you got the feeling when he was talking about his retirement plans there that he doesn't actually want to retire. But no. I think he's, he, I mean, he's, he's, as you said, he's had a long career. He's been playing non-league football for many years. He started out at Charlton. And, you know, you can kind of understand that, it, it you know, it does become a, a big commitment, especially when you've got a job and you do a lot of, of driving, as, as he says he does. But ultimately, I think he's still got the buzz for football. And a day out at Wembley would give him a massive, massive incentive to carry on playing, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I think it probably would. But... You know, if if the worst happens, they get knocked out. How can you lift yourself from that point of view? Or it could work in the other way. We're going to go again. But I think we've seen in the in the Vars, you don't normally see teams, particularly from the south, going through again. Fair play to you, John, because I think you said at the beginning of the season you fancied a, a scaffold team to go long into the competition. It shows uh, the strength of the division. As somebody, I think uh, Steve King of um, Deal tweeted, he said he knows the strength is really good this year. When you think that Cray Valley and Canterbury. You know, not one of the not in the top three of this division, but they've reached the pinnacle of of what they can in the in the competition. So absolutely fantastic. But can we? You know, I said in that bit there. Can we say we want Canterbury to win? But I suppose Cray Valley are we classing them as Kent now? They're well, in the Kent League. If if they get to Wembley, no, I, I actually looked this up the other day, and um, we have discussed this before on the show. Um, but the foundations of Cray, they, they currently play in Eltham. And as I've always said, the rule is if you postcode to London, postcode, you're a London club as far as I'm concerned. However, having looked up Cray Valley, uh, they were founded in St Paul's Cray, which does have a BR postcode. So, you know, it, it does kind of mean that, that, that if they were playing where they were founded, where they know they would like to go back to, uh, they're technically pretty much local rivals of Cray Wanderers, who we cover. Yeah. Um, but I think... From a, from especially from our point of view, because we're both people who live over in the east of the county or from east of the county, you know, Canterbury City getting there w- would be the story. And, and I guess another part of it is is the underdog thing because if you look at that tie on paper, you would say that Cray Valley are the overwhelming favourites for it. And of course, we, we whoever goes on to win this tie, we desperately want them to win the final. But you, there's something about the underdogs, and Canterbury City have always been so. Uh, welcome into to the podcast, and you know, got on really well with with the manager and 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 everybody at Canterbury City, and you know, it would just be such a great story for them to get there, and I think that's why you do kind of lean towards them. But Cray Valley, you know, they they are a, a very very dangerous side. They have some really good players, and their stories there. You know, that there's a possibility they could get to Wembley, and Leighton Orient could get there as well, and it'll be a, a big celebration for Kevin Lisby, who obviously is now into his late 30s, but still banging the goals in for Cray Valley. So, you know, whichever way it goes, it's going to be a, a good day for, for the league, and that's the most important thing. Yeah, I think the scaffold, you know, will be absolutely delighted from this, if they can publicise that. Hopefully, it's maybe the... You know, if we now get themselves a, a sponsor on board, uh, etc., like that, hopefully they, you know, they can be delighted with the sides uh, getting to the competition. So, uh, the underdog story as well, as we mentioned in the interview with Jack there about the ground and how it hasn't come about, it, it just got for me a lovely feeling that you know, Canterbury City, if they can get to Wembley, can say, look, this is what we can achieve when we're playing 15 miles down the road at Faversham. What could we do if we had our own? ground that people can support us where, where can we go so that would be a lovely way to sort of tick off that part of it and maybe boost them on getting the ground because that's the most important thing I think now for, 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 for Canterbury City if they can get to Wembley 
the people in the city will see them. You know, how many people live in, how many people live in Canterbury, John? Do you know? I don't know off the top of my head. No. Um, one second, let me Google that. What I will also say while while I'm looking that up is, uh, you see, you've obviously seen the uh, the Google video, uh, the the viral video of the uh, of the chat in yeah. November. Yeah, it's good singing. Good singing. Very I singing. like the way he brought the. Um, you know, I'm a fan of karaoke. Brought in the uh, the brush. That was that took it to a different level for me. So uh, I think he's probably become a, bit of a social media star, isn't he? So so I had over a million views that video. Something ridiculous, it isn't it? Certainly had a, a, an awful lot. There are fifty-five thousand people living in Can- in Canterbury, apparently, according to uh, a well-known online encyclopedia. It's got to be more than that, to be honest. Whatever. I suppose. Yeah. So uh, right, if, even if. 10,000, uh, 10% of those people, 15% of those people go, you can see what it will be from that point of view. But there's a chance there to, to advertise the club if they get there. I don't know, we'll get ahead of our time now, but there's something that can really work in Canterbury City's favour, I think. There. Canterbury's known for his cricket, but if they get to Wembley in that one day, I don't know if Ken playing cricket that day, but there's only one story in the whole of Canterbury that day. Exactly. Uh, into the league, um, Corinthian won the big game at the top on Saturday beating Fisher by one goal to nil uh, Fisher did bounce back by winning 3-2 at Lawsville on Tuesday but they're now three points behind the leaders and have played two games more uh, Chatham have games in hand but were disappointed on Wednesday night to have not managed to made up as much ground as they would have liked to as they were held to a nil-nil draw by Rustall there are no such problems for Cray Valley on Wednesday night as they saw for AFC Croydon 3-0 to go third Seven points behind Corinthian, but they do only have one game in hand on the league leaders. So uh, it's Corinthians to lose at the moment, you would suggest, uh, at the top of the scaffold there. Um, on Saturday, Chetham had beaten Irith Town 2-1. It was Glebe 4, Hollands and Blair 2, K-Sports 4, Croydon 1, Lordswood 1, Crowborough 0, uh, Sheppey United up to 5th after a 1-0 win over Beckenham, and Tunbridge Wells 1, Rustall 2. Beckenham will be Chatham Town's opponents in the Kent Senior uh, Trophy Final after they beat St Peter. 3-2 on Tuesday night with a, a late late goal. Nine minutes from time, I think it was, that, that put them through. And that'll be a, a good cup final, that Chatham against Beckenham, Matt. Yeah, yeah so that, that's the one that beat the Guernsey team, isn't it? So the Jersey yeah, Jersey, team? yeah. When was that played Saturday, was it? Tuesday. That's a trek, isn't it? Well, yeah, but it will be a decent final, probably at Maidstone from that. Um, yeah, should be a, a, an interesting game. I know we've had Chatham before. They're desperate to win the competition, but I'm sure Beckenham will give them a game. So, yeah, Exciting times in the scaffold, I have to say, and uh, I'm glad to see it's getting the publicity it deserves at the competition. You know, a lot of people put hard work into it. Looking ahead to this weekend in the Southern Counties East League, uh, AFC Croydon at home to Glebe on Saturday. It's Beckenham against Cray Valley. Canterbury City at home to Beersted. Corinthian against Lordswood. Crowborough against Chatham. Punjab United against Croydon. Rustall at home to Deal Town. Sheppard United at home to Hollands and Blair. And it's Tunbridge Wells against Irith Town. And on Tuesday night, a couple of games in the Premier Division as Beersted host Cray Valley. Tunbridge Wells take on Cray Sports. And then on Wednesday night next week, Canterbury City against AFC Croydon and Irith Town against Hollands and Blair. Um, one, one thing we didn't pick up actually on, on their mat is Rustall. They held Chatham tonight and had a brilliant win at Tunbridge Wells on Saturday. And having been looking down and out a few weeks ago, they're certainly on the, on the way up. Yeah, a couple of really great results there. Chatham, would, we've seen the Chatham score a lot of goals. Russell have done and they're dug in deep on a Wednesday night and got a good result. Let's look at Cray Valley there. Anthony Edgar scored two of their goals. I'm sure he's had a league career for Cray. And they've got some good, you know, they've got the Tomlins of this world. So, um, good, some good players there, Cray. So, it'd be interesting time. But yeah, good fair play to Russell because we were looking at, looking at them thinking a bit of a 
whipping boys, but they seem to have turned the corner a bit. Indeed. Um, into the scaffold Division 1 on Saturday, it was Erith and Belvedere 4, Bryden Ropes 0, FC Armstead 3, Lewis and Borough 0, Forest Hill Park 1, Greenways 1, Meridian VP 1, Sutton Athletic 7, Phoenix Sports Reserves 1, Stansfeld 1, Snodland 2, Kent Football United 3, Wellingtown 1, Rochester United 0. On Tuesday, it was FC Armstead 2, Sporting Club Thamesmead 2, and then on Wednesday night, Forest Hill Park 2, Phoenix Sports Reserves 4, and Rochester United nil, Greenways 5. Rochester United, three points adrift at the bottom there. Wellingtown, seven points clear at the top, although Kennington do have games in hand, and so do uh, Sutton Athletic and Irith and Belvedere. Irith and Belvedere, interestingly, have five games in hand on Welling and are only ten points behind. So we'll be keeping a close eye on that title race. While Cray Valley and Canterbury are still dreaming of where uh, Wembley, Maidstone are no longer in the hunt after their 3-0 loss to Stockport County in their replay on Tuesday night. I was there and they said that Maidstone were really poor, comfortably second best, and it was so disappointing for the fans there, and they made their feelings known at the end. It has been a wretched season for the Stones, hasn't it, Matt? Yeah, I think... Um... I was talking to somebody earlier, you know, in the season, some of the times you, you go through football season, you, you just want to write it off and just think, just forget about it, wipe it from the history books. And I think from a Maystone point of view, they'll look at it, and especially the FA Cup, they got to the second round, lost to Oldham at home. Um, the league form has been dreadful. They've been through some managers. And interestingly, I think in the trophy this year, every single game has gone through a replay where they've drawn away then one at home and then again Stockport who missing their top striker um, well and truly uh, beaten by Stockport I hope Stockport can go on the way to, to win the competition at least get to Wembley because I think their supporters deserve it yeah absolutely dreadful Maystone it can't come soon you know unless they go on an amazing run they're going to get relegated as well uh, yeah it's just one of those seasons which they've had plenty of highs Maystone United since they've gone through the league since they've been to the Gallagher but you know I don't think anybody looks at this season with anything um, of any optimism or um, positives at all. So where they go from here, it'll be interesting to see because I expect them, you know, you've seen them a couple of times now, John, and, you know, they're going down as well. What, do, what does John Steele and Haken Ayretin do with that squad now? Do they do a Dartford? And I've been critical of Dartford and we go on to them earlier, but we'll completely rip it up and start again. That may be the way forward, but absolutely terrible season for them. I think they've got to rip it up and start again because last night was just it, the, the the players looked nervous. They didn't. No one wanted to get on the ball and, and sort of take a few touches. I mean, even the experienced head. I mean, the, the, let's let's give Maystone a little bit of, of leeway because they were without I think nine players last night. Um, but when you've got you know Simon Walton in there, experienced head, gave the ball away that led to the first goal. Um, Blair Turgut came on for his first appearance since November. Ran about a bit, but didn't really get get on the ball. Did he look fit? He looked fairly fit, yeah. But the problem was that there was just no one there who wanted to get the game by the scruff of its neck and, and make the ball go forward. And it was always like, they always looked like they were under pressure and they kept, um, you know, it was all one-touch stuff trying to launch it forward as quickly as they could towards Cassidy. And obviously with Elliot Romain being out injured as well, there was no foil for Cassidy. So when he did win the flick-ons... It didn't go to anyone. And Chris Lewington made five good saves in the first half and uh, then a, a bit of an error for the for the first goal. But they were just, they, they were pure and simply, they were beaten by a better side. Um, there was a lot of work to do for John Still and Hakan Hamet in there because, you know, obviously I, I hadn't seen them since the, the, the Eastley game back in November and 
to, to be honest, I understand that the the constraints that they're working under, but there was no noticeable improvement from that previous game. And you have to look at it and say that Manchester United are not the team that they were this time last year, and that John Steele, Hakan Aretin are in it for the long haul, and they're going to need to be patient because they have got a lot, a lot of work to do. Yeah, I don't think the Maystone fans have got to appreciate that. Um, the thing is, you know, they haven't won at home since August, I think, is in the league. Um, form has been in the cup, but, you know, nobody really treats the trophy seriously to get to the quarterfinals. So I don't think, you know, if Salford had put their team out, you know, Salford are doing that, they probably would have beaten Maystone. So, yeah, there's no positives to come out of that. Um, just got to go um, and move on. Maybe, you know, unless somehow they get out of the relegation zone, try and win a few more games at the end of the season and put some smiles on people's faces because. There's not much. There's not much happiness when you see some Maidstone fans at the moment. It's just one of those terrible, terrible years. Well, indeed, one piece of good news for them this week was the signing of Jake Embry. Uh, the young goalgetter has been in great form for Herne Bay this season, and uh, we've talked about it many times on the show. So just went through that phase of scoring hat tricks. Um, the move hasn't gone down too well in Herne Bay. I understand there was a little bit of confusion and a statement put out by uh, the Bostick League club saying that they weren't particularly happy about how it all played out. Um, but Jake Embry was there on Tuesday night and I, and I caught up with him. And, and he's a, a young man who's been caught up in something that I don't necessarily think he's had too much to do with. And he just wants to focus on his football. How excited are you to be a Mason United player? Oh, it's unbelievable. It's a dream move for me. I'm a local boy. I live five minutes away. I went to school here. Couldn't think of a better local club for me at such a high level. Um, we do a lot about the Boston League and we've been watching your goal scoring this season. Absolutely phenomenal. I mean, how many hat-tricks have you got? <laughs> I think I had about three hat-tricks, maybe scored four in a couple of them games as well. Yeah, it's been a good been a good season personally. On the whole, as a team, it wasn't the greatest season for Herne Bay, but on a personal note, I've scored a lot of goals. Probably my best season so far. When you're in a scoring streak like that as a striker, what's it like? Oh, it's great. He's so confident, so calm, relaxed. Everything that you want happens for you. And the chances come and you're just calm. That's the best way to put it. And uh, being at Herne Bay has been really good because it's a young team. Obviously, you know, one of the managers pretty well. But uh, being part of a young team and having that chance to sort of flourish. Is, is, and you wouldn't have got this move without that, would you? No, definitely not. I have to say thank you to Herne Bay for the platform to, like, for me to build on there. I think it was very important for me. Like without them, none of this would have happened. And that team was filled with lots of quality players in there. Lots of lots of quality. It's just a shame. Yeah, it's it's not all stuck together. But these things happen. People have to move on. It's just one of them things. And now you're here at Maidstone. Are you hoping to be on the pitch this season? I hope so. Yeah. The managers showed his belief in me by offering me the deal he has so I see an opportunity for me I see a lot of injuries at the moment so I'm hoping I'm backing it but I think there's an opportunity for me to get some game time because you might have injury list and um, but what, how big a step up will it be from Herne Bay to National League? Oh, it's a massive step up. We've seen just tonight, it wasn't their biggest crowd, but there was something like 1,800 here tonight. That's the difference. Like Going from playing in front of 100, 200 a week to going to 2,000, that's going to be a big step up for me. But I think I'll be fine. I think I'll cope. 
and uh, the, the, the manager at Herne Bay, especially your dad, what's he said? <laughs> well, he sat on the fence of it because he's got a bit of a conflict of interest. So he's proud for me and happy on a personal note, but obviously he's, gut, he's gutted for himself and the team. But it's, everyone's got to progress, everyone's got to move on. So not much you can do. And obviously, I've heard you talk about it. it's been a bit of to and fro in and, and, and bits and pieces. But I guess from your point of view, you've already said it. You're grateful to Herne Bay and, and thank you for the, everything they've done. Oh yeah, and, of course, and of course. You just want to get, kick on and hopefully be a success at Maidstone. Yeah, exactly. I want to be a success and hopefully move on again, get to the very top. All he can say there is he, he wants to score goals and fancy to go. And, and you were telling me, Matt, with your uh, spreadsheet addiction, uh, are you sure you want a spreadsheet anonymous meeting tonight uh, <laughs> rather than uh, having a curry? But uh, 53 players if he if he plays for uh, Maidstone. Yeah, with a 53rd player to turn out from all he's been named in a, in a match day squad for them this season. So it's an interesting one. I, I would have thought the leap from the Devon Bostick South to the National League could be um, a bit of a leap for him when he comes up against some of the uh, ugly defenders in there but he seemed very confident what, what his approach could be he's still a young man at 18 um, is it a right move for him? For, yeah well, again if anybody can spot a player it's John Steele and if he thinks he's got something to work with he'll do it from that he's going to go in you know he could bang in a couple of goals and for Mason and get him a couple of results and Go from that point of view. He seems confident in his abilities. Seems a strange one where he's asked to be released from his contract. He was at Herne Bay and then left the club. So I don't know. Having an agent in the in the Bostic League, Devon Bostic League is probably a bit of a strange one. But I just hope the Herne Bay get the benefit of what they are. And interesting point they said in the statement: if it doesn't work out at, at, um, at Maidstone, we'll have him back. I thought Maidstone may loan him back to the end of the season if they were. Thing from that, but they're clearly going to throw him in and see what he can do. But yeah, good luck to him. We, we picked him up on the podcast, so um, hopefully he can score goals. He's not. Is he a big man, John? He's not. Too, say, or? No, he's not too big. He's, he's quite slight, actually. So it'll be an interesting physical challenge for him. But I guess the thing is, is they can almost put him in now with, with next to no pressure because they are ten points away from safety at the moment. Um, it's looking very bleak for them in terms of league standards. And if he goes in, it gives him a bit of chance to integrate and get used to playing at, at the Gallagher, obviously on the, on the pitch where, where things are different and just kind of find his feet and then hopefully he can hit the ground running next season. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think him and the guy, they brought Asmalor, for they brought from Braintree, are contracted for next season. I don't think anybody else uh, particularly is, so maybe they can build up a partnership. From that point of view, there's going to be a lot of turnover of players or thought of Maidstone either way if they stay up or go down so he's going to be part of that let's hope it works out for him 18 year old man in the National League the head Jack Richards there who's the, maybe that man the, the young man who could do it for Maidstone hasn't worked out for him maybe he and Embry and Richards could be the, the future of Maidstone United strike him be interesting to see how he gets on and I'll, I'll be looking at it interesting because there are some absolute ugly defenders who you know who head the man and the ball so he may not get as much time on the ball before he's, you know, before somebody's on him in the National League. It'll be interesting to see his development, I have to say. Indeed. They're at Solihull Moors on Saturday, a tough tie. Live on the telly, that, isn't it? So, that's a nice way to make your debut. Well, indeed, yeah, can put, put a marker down. 
Um, elsewhere, Bromley had a really good win at Hartlepool United with Luke Coulson scoring a sublime goal. And they've been further boosted by a new contract for Frankie Raymond this week. Uh, the host bore and wood on Saturday and, as we'll discuss shortly, someone else could use a favour. Um, Ebbsfleet have lost Cody McDonald for the rest of the season to injury and were held 0-0 at Barrow on Saturday, leaving them four points outside the playoff spots and having played more games than everyone else around them. They're at home to Salford City on Saturday. That just leaves with Dover Athletic, who I understand delighted you on Saturday at, Ma- at Maidenhead, Matt. Well, it was um, disappointing. Uh, bullied by Maidenhead. Didn't create any chances apart from one just before they scored and in the final minute when you're luzzing up, when you're bringing on your six foot five centre half with 10 minutes to go, you know where your tactics are going to be. So, um, yeah, it was uh, a good day out. Well, we were a good day out. Drove up on my own. Lovely weather. And I have to say, John, the highest highlight of the afternoon, the music played by the Maidenhead Tannoy system. I-, I wanted to give the man a standing ovation at the end. Highlight of the game. You had Primal Scream. You had Pulp. Do you remember the first time, which is in my top three of songs, being played? So, uh, Oasis, Supersonic. There were some 90s absolute classics going on there. The football was absolutely dreadful. Dover were absolutely dreadful. But fair play to whoever runs the Tannoy at Maidenhead. I don't really like Maidenhead's ground, to be honest. Um, it's just one of those rounds don't really like it. But the music was brilliant. And that I, when I was wandering across uh, to get Andy Hessenthal uh, interview after the game, I was buzzing because Supersonic was on the Tannoy and I was singing to myself that that honestly was the highlight of the afternoon, the music, the football was appalling and I'm worried we're going to get relegated again because Maidenhead aren't any good, but they absolutely bullied us. And Adrian Clifton, that's how you're a big centre forward. That's how you bully defenders from that point of view. And hopefully some of the Dover players looked at that and see what they need to to get out of the hole. Maidenhead, not well beaters but Bully Dover and that was thing. But fantastic music. You know, when I go to Cravel on Saturday, A, the channel is too loud and B, it's playing middle of the age 2012 pop songs that I've got no interest in. This was wonderful. So, Maidenhead, Tano Man, fair, fair play. If I can get a list of that playlist, I would put it on my Spotify list because it was just pure wonderful. And to listen to Do You Remember the First Time by Pulp, I would recommend anybody listening to that song. Easily in the top three songs of all time. That made my day, even though we got tonked. Excellent. And, mate, though do seem to have a problem against teams that fellow strugglers, shall we say, apart from obviously when Maidstone uh, over Christmas. And Braintree at home on Saturday is a big old game and one that you surely <laughs> got to take three points from that. The next three day we're home, the next... In my in my spreadsheet, I was thinking when I've done the tables, if we can get ten points in the next five games, we've got a chance. So we've got to get now ten points in the next four games. Dave, we've got three out of the next four games at home. Braintree must must win. Cannot afford to do anything from that. Beating Braintree could knock them out of it. Gives us a bit of breathing space. Going to Hartlepool away, they are a bit hit and miss. Then you've got back to back home games against Bournemouth, who are on the absolute slide, and Halifax who could get dragged into it. So there you go. Three out of four. After the Halifax game, which is two weeks, is it two weeks? Yeah, probably two weeks Saturday. I would have a good knowing if Dover are going to get out of the hole they're in. But they need to perform better than they did on Saturday. So, but Brady, again, Brady is one of these games. It doesn't matter if it comes off Effiong's backside in the 
95th minute. They've got to win the game. So, but it, the pressure's all on Dover because Braintree looked like they're down. They lost again last week. So, but you know, some of the Braintree have beaten Salford at home, so you don't know what you're going to get. And Braintree easily beat us up at their place. So, yes, you're in, um, as somebody said, squeaky bum time now, aren't you? So, we somehow got to get a result on Saturday. Otherwise, it will be doom and gloom. And if the Tanner listening of Dover's playing, if you can play, do you remember the first time? Even if we do lose, I'll be bopping. So that's the most important thing. Probably go to Harrogate on Tuesday night as well in that league. In the National League South, Dartford had a good result to beat Woking at home. Uh, in. A slight gap in the playoff spots now as well um, for Dartford, who are four points clear in seventh place. Welling made it three rings in a row with a one-nil win at Hungerford. They're also looking good for a playoff spot. This weekend, it's Dulwich against Dartford and Welling against St Albans City. Into the Bostic Premier League, uh, Tunbridge Angels could have gone back to the third spot tonight. Uh, they were drew nil-nil at Lewis, having lost to Merston on Saturday. Folkestone were beaten 2-0 at Enfield on Saturday with Addy Yusuf sent off. Uh, Margate scored a last gasp equaliser on Tuesday to get a one-all draw, having had a good win on Saturday as well. Uh, still unbeaten under Jay Saunders. And Cadell, Daniel, uh, Matt, have you seen his goal from Tuesday night? A cheeky little back here, wouldn't it? Yeah. It, from, um, from, from that, yeah, he seems... Uh... You know, maybe his family's lovely scored at the weekend as well. So I think uh, that's a good, a good chance for him to think. Toby Show Silver has gone there as well. So yeah, good luck to him. And definitely, you know, I spoke to the Margate fan I work with. There was a definite um, buzz about the club back with Jay Saunders. He's unbeaten so far. So uh, yeah, fair play to him from that point of view. And hopefully, they can go on from there. Yeah, this weekend they're away to AFC Hornchurch and Margate, while it's Carshalton against Folkestone and Enfield against Angels. So all three of our Bostic Premier League teams are away on Saturday, which is unusual, I would say, Matt. Yeah, yeah. I see Folkestone. We mentioned Billy Bricknell in the interview with um, uh, Neil Covey last week, and he was bigging up Billy Bricknell. He, he's not every cup of tea, Billy Bricknell, but when he was at Dover, I really liked him, and I know he's popular at these other clubs. So a good player at that level. Folkestone needs to bounce back, but we... Folks, the home form has been really good of late, but still away form has been an, an issue. But still a long way to go in that, so and I'm sure it's um, our sides will be okay. Shame about Tunbridge not winning at Lewis today, but I think that was the game that was abandoned recently, wasn't it, when he went down there? It was, yeah. It was abandoned yeah. due to a waterlogged pitch. Um, one last thing on that. Uh, I was discussing with a Tunbridge Angels fan who we both know very well, uh, Matt, today. And yeah. um, he said that apparently in the Bostic League Premier Division, and this was the first I'd heard of it, um, because there's not enough promotion spaces at that level, there is a possibility of a super playoff uh, to determine who will get promoted. So you can win the playoffs and then have to, to get into another game to see if you've got a chance of getting promoted. Surely they just need to make this four down from the National League South to make this all, all easy. If you've got eight leagues there, uh, so you've got four leagues there, you've got to make it easy for two up, surely. Oh, this is, this is into the Conference South, is it? Yeah. Uh... Surely, we've criticised them before. Surely, somebody had a look at this at the beginning of July when they're doing the fixtures, how they're going to do this. So, we've got definitely one going up, and there'll be a super playoff between three clubs. Are going to leak system? Or I've got no idea how it's going to work, but uh, I was just told about it today. So that's something that's that, that's our homework for next week's podcast, Matt, to find out what's going oh, on. I've got a spreadsheet involved in that, mate. No yeah, worries. Sort it out. Opening, opening up now. Lovely. Um, into the Bossett League Southeast and Sittingbourne are in great form. They were five 0 at Three Bridges on Tuesday night. 
to make it four wins in five, and they are climbing up the league table. Uh, Chris Lynch is doing a great job there, and he, he was quite keen to to make it known that, that, that he's very pleased how things going, and I have promised him we'll have another chat with him. But what a great start he's, he's had to his time at Sittingbourne. Yeah, I think he's, he brought in players that he knows. Chris Barnard's gone there from Dover and Margate scoring goals. Good to see Nathan Eldo's a very popular player in this thing. He's a coach and he's tweeting out how much he's enjoying it from there. Chris Lynch has gone through the levels. Um, clearly he's got an eye for a player and I'm pleased to see him born because you know, when we started this pod, they were the team to beat, weren't they? And then a disappointment. Gone through a couple of managers, but now they've got to show a bit more consistency because they do have you know, good results and if for a run, then start losing results. But five nil away from home, whatever level, you, you've got to be delighted with that. Yeah, Barnard scored twice on Saturday as well as they won 2-1 at VCD Athletic. Elsewhere on Saturday, Ashford United lost 2-0 at home to Phoenix Sports. Uh, Faversham beat Whiteley for 1-0. Hythe were held 1-1 by Guernsey. It was 7-0-1, Ramsgate 1. Uh, Herne Bay won 5-1 at Three Bridges. And Whitstable Town, who were in really poor run of form, were beaten 3-0 at home by Horsham. All that leaves the table. Cray Wanderers 13 points clear at the top. And then there's three teams from Sussex in second, third and fourth, all beginning with H. Horsham, Hastings, Hayward Heath, Ashford United are fifth with 48 points. Seven points clear of Whiteleaf, so certainly looking good for a playoff spot, uh, the nuts and bolts. And they'll be hopeful. They've got a game in hand on the three teams above them, so they'll be hopeful they can get back into one of the higher playoff places in that league. Um, at the foot of the table, Greenwich are now five points adrift at the bottom. Uh, Whitstable Town are the lowest Kent team. Uh, level on points with Herne Bay. Uh, both played, which will play the game less. They've got 26 points each. Uh, and then Faversham and Sittingbourne are up to 29 points. Um, so interesting games this weekend as well. You remember, Matt, there was a time just before Christmas when I said, why aren't all of these games being played on Boxing Day, all these big derbies? Yeah. Well, of course, the reverse fixtures are on Saturday, March the 2nd. Um, so this weekend we have got Herne Bay against Whitstable, Sittingbourne against Faversham. Uh, the other fixtures are... So just randomly think, right, March the 2nd, we'll just do it that uh, Exactly. No, no rhyme or reasoning for that. Surely Easter Sunday, um, Easter Monday. You'd have thought so, wouldn't you? But that's far too logical. I think Easter is late this year, though, so there may not actually be any games that day. But let's not let them get away with it. <laughs> uh, it's Guernsey against VCD at 2 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, Herne Bay against which was already mentioned. Horsham against Hythe Town. Phoenix against Cray Wanderers. Ramsgate are home to Three Bridges. And Ashford are on the road to uh, to go to Whiteleaf and Whitstable host VCD Athletic on Tuesday as well. Uh, that is pretty much it for your Kent Non League podcast this week. Thank you so much to the two footballers who we've had on the show, Jake and Jack. I uh, really appreciate your time, gentlemen. And uh, good luck to all of our teams this weekend because there's some big old games coming up, uh, especially Dover Athletic, I suppose, in their battle against the drop. Because please, please, I've, please. I've, I've got to spend like th three or four hours with Matt on Monday night, so I need him to be a little bit up. Uh, we are back on the radio on Monday night. Uh, we've got a, a show which is going to be different from anything we've probably done before on the radio, but um, it's going to be a really good listen, hopefully. Um, hopefully we'll get people thinking as well. Um, in the meantime, you can follow us on social media, on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast, and on Facebook, we're at Kent Non-League. Um, I'm at John Phipps 81 My co-host is Matt, at Matthew underscore Gerard. Um, as always, thank you to everyone for listening. We appreciate it so much, and we shall speak to you all next week. I'm feeling supersonic, give me gin and tonic.